Welcome to Tech Law Chat, our series of Coffee Break podcasts from Four Pump Court. I'm Matthew Levy. And I'm Ian Munro. In this episode, we explore home surveillance technology. Ian, the scenario, please. I'm at a dinner party. Right, so not our normal start, but let's go with it. Yes, well, I admit I'm a lawyer and quickly I'm told about a dispute between the gentleman I'm speaking to and his nosy neighbour. Let's call them Frank and Mike. Essentially, neighbour Mike has taken the liberty of installing numerous security cameras around his property, some of which are pointed straight at Frank's house and garden, and they have the ability to record sound at quite a distance. Now, it's not clear what Mike actually wants to do with this footage, or indeed how long he keeps it, but Frank is rather unsettled by the whole thing, and says it's ruining his enjoyment of the garden. The fact that Mike sees this as something affecting his enjoyment of his land immediately brings the thought of nuisance to mind. But that doesn't work, because the Court of Appeal has held that mere overlooking from one property to another does not amount to a private nuisance. So we need to look elsewhere. Depending on the details of what Mike's actually up to, there is a potential cause of action under the Protection from Harassment Act 1997. But given the statutory regime, that's going to be very hard to establish, I think. Yes, I agree. Under Section 1 of the 1997 Act, the person must not pursue a course of conduct which amounts to harassment of another and which he knows, or ought to know, amounts to harassment of that other. And ought to know is judged objectively, by reference to a reasonable person in possession of the same information. Now, there are various exceptions to conduct amounting to harassment under the statute. For example, if the course of conduct was pursued for the purpose of preventing or detecting crime, or as another example, that in particular circumstances, the course of conduct was reasonable, and it would be for Mike, the nosy neighbour, to prove that one of those exceptions apply. Right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We haven't yet identified a course of conduct at all that might amount to harassment. Right, so the course of conduct needs to be at least two occasions and for it to be harassment. And that's calculated in an objective sense to cause alarm and distress, which objectively judged is oppressive and unacceptable. That depends on the social or working context in which the conduct occurs. And the test for harassment is a high bar. Even though we're talking about a civil claim, the court will be looking for torment, Frank, of an order sufficient to sustain a criminal liability. Based on what I was told, Frank is some distance from being able to show all of this. There aren't many reported cases on home surveillance and harassment, but in a recent one, it wasn't so much the installation of surveillance technology that troubled the court, but conduct, like the defendant saying falsely he had sent the claimant's image to the police as an unknown suspicious person, or phone calls threatening to set up with concealed cameras and other various lies. Yes, that case was widely reported in the press in pretty sensationalist terms, asking whether every smart doorbell owner might now face a £100,000 claim because the surveillance tech in that case was a smart doorbell. However, it's striking how fact-specific and personality-driven that case actually was. It was very much at the extreme end, far out of the ordinary. Still, Although we're probably nowhere near a harassment claim with Frank, that doesn't mean he has no recourse at all. 
As the operator of the surveillance cameras, Mike does have important obligations under the Data Protection Act 2018 and the UK GDPR. Users of home surveillance technology don't always understand those obligations or even that they exist, and there's a fair bet that Mike's in breach. You mentioned that Mike was capturing images from beyond his property boundary. Yes, of Frank's house. Right, well that's important, because by surveying beyond his property boundary, he loses the right to rely on the householder's CCTV exemptions, while as a private individual, he doesn't need to register with the Information Commissioner's office and pay a fee, he does still need to comply with the data protection regulations. So Frank's comings and goings are plainly personal data under the regulations, and Mike is a data controller in respect of them. That means he needs to process the data in accordance with the UK GDPR, which in brief involves processing the data lawfully, fairly, and in a transparent manner in relation to the data subject, i.e. Frank, and any other members of Frank's households, guests, and so on who may pass the cameras. To be lawful, the processing of data needs to be limited to what's reasonably necessary for specified, explicit, and legitimate purposes. Do we have any idea about Mike's reasons for recording? I suppose he's got home security in mind. Yes, I'm sure that's what he'd say. If Mike had trouble then to read the guidance from the ICO, he would see that there are various things he really should have done, including putting up signs, letting people know recording's taking place and why it's taking place, being careful not to capture more footage than he actually needs to achieve his purpose, holding the footage securely, only keeping it as long as needed for the purpose, and ensuring that the surveillance system's only operated as intended and as described and isn't misused by others. So let's assume that Mike is breaking data protection law. The question is, well, in practical terms, what next? Well, just stepping back, CCTV users can be on the receiving end of subject access requests for footage they hold or requests for deletion, They can also face enforcement action by the ICO, which could include a fine, or face civil claims from neighbours. And that's what happened in the case you mentioned earlier involving the doorbell. That was, by the way, a claim both under the data protection legislation and in harassment. However, according to the ICO, in most CCTV-related disputes between neighbours, the ICO themselves won't consider it appropriate or proportionate to take enforcement action. So Frank may be looking at court action, but the problem with this is that it would be expensive to escalate in that way. And based on what you've told me, it would probably also be premature and perhaps even disproportionate. Frankly, Frank's best bet in the short term, at least, is going to be to grit his teeth and try and have a civilised conversation with Mike about moving some of the cameras, or at the very least, trying to minimise their impact. As I told Frank over dessert, there are a few takeaways here. First, there are potential causes of legal action against domestic users of CCTV. However, they present a high bar where harassment is concerned, and would easily be disproportionate. Second, That doesn't mean users of CCTV shouldn't take care. It is clear that as soon as surveillance extends beyond their property boundaries, they need to comply with data protection law. There's guidance from the ICO to follow, and if users ignore it, they are at risk. Thirdly and finally, while technology might feature, as the few reported cases show, this is really all about people, how they're utilising it, and perhaps most importantly, how they interact with others.
While in some cases it may be unsafe and the police must be involved, the starting point here must be for Frank and Mike to have a constructive conversation and to make a concerted effort to preserve neighbourly relations. And if they need support in having that conversation, there are community mediation organisations who can help. Thank you for listening to our podcast on home surveillance. And thank you for indulging in our two pronunciations of harassment, or should I say harassment. For references and citations, visit us at techlaw.chat. And if you feel so inclined, please subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is provided for the purposes of general education and entertainment only and does not constitute legal advice. The presenters disclaim all liability for the consequences of reliance being placed on what they have said. The value of investments can go down as well as up and you may never recover the time devoted to listening to this podcast.